Are you ready, kids? Get your parents' permission, check your mailbox, and grab your shopping cart. It's time for the Adventures in Collecting podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Dave. Welcome Welcome to to Adventures Adventures in Collecting, Collecting, where we talk toy news, culture, and hauls, along with our journeys as collectors. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adventures in Collecting. Hi, I'm back. I took a week off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a, a weird couple of weeks for for us at Adventures in Collecting. We had we had a vacation, so we had some some episodes that were like backfilled, and then we had our our special uh, chats with with Marvel and with with GI Joe. Uh, our Instagram account got deleted. <laughs> I was gonna say we had an Instagram. Um... <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, if you if we're running into this problem, and before we get into today's, I am Dave. I am going to bury the lead for a moment, just because I feel like we need to very quickly address this, just very very quickly. Um, so uh, we do have a new Instagram handle, so it's at Adventures in Collecting. We're no longer at AIC underscore Podcast, um, unless you're on Twitter, then we are there. Yeah, I couldn't change it. It won't let. It's at, at Adventures in Collecting is too long for for twitter so i I can't change it to that so we're at aic underscore podcast on twitter everything's fine there but we're at adventures and collecting on instagram and tiktok um to be honest uh what we think happened was there was some nefarious action going on with our with our uh instagram account you know either you know bots coming after us or some some you know some sort of reporting situation that was happening uh, Instagram Meta cited us as being in violation of the community guidelines. They gave us no other information in terms of what we violated. Um, they just linked us back to the community guidelines page, to which we read and reread and reread and reread and could find nothing on there that we actually violated. Um, but they did take down the account. Uh, there appears to be no recourse. Uh, we are we are constantly filling out appeal forms for the account to see if we can get it back, but um, yeah. In the meantime, we've we've relaunched uh, on on Instagram, which is crazy to say after three years and eight thousand followers, we are we are starting from scratch. <laughs> so so if you guys know each other, just let each other know. Yes, all eight thousand of you. The the biggest thing that you guys can do to help is just spread the word that we are at Adventures and Collecting now on Instagram. Um, the same sort of content you're used to seeing, which is also leading itself to like an additional problem because people are seeing the posts that they're used to seeing from Adventures in Collecting. Um, so you may not realize that you are not following us just because you're seeing you're still seeing our stuff. So uh, just take a second to to go to at Adventures in Collecting. Make sure that you you are following us uh, so that way you don't miss stuff. Um, and, and help us, help us rebuild that, that AIC family that we've, we've, uh, we've come to know over the last three years. So, uh, and big shouts to, to folks at, at Toy Migos and, and Toy Shiz and, uh, and Jay Hernandez and Nostalgic Adam and Dollar Slice Bootlegs and so on and so on and so on for, for sharing the information and, and everybody helping us. who's shared out. Yeah. The th- thank you so much uh, thank you to everybody. everybody. Yeah, thank you community. Um, Action Figure Insider too, right? Yes, yes, Dan over at Action Figure Insider. Thank, thank you. Uh, it's it's been it's been tough. It's been it's been a little bit of a struggle, but you know we'll uh, we'll get there one way or and another. Actually, we'll get back there. Now we can unbury the lead, but uh, thank you as well to to our guest today, Eric. Yes, for exactly. Sharing our information out. Exactly. So um, as as has become usual with with the pod, we have a guest uh, today. Uh, the world of the MCU and the ever-popular Hasbro Marvel Legends line recently collided like never before, thanks to a little help from toy journalist and reviewer The Figure Report. You see, much like the recent Disney Plus series, the figures in question are based off of the story of the first in-hand review of the new Moon Knight and Mr. Knight came complete with its own twist ending, as The Figure Report's Michael Hernandez revealed that he is Moon Knight star Oscar Isaac's brother an actor himself who also worked on set as Mark and Steven's body double, helping to create the show's magic. Joining us today on the pod is Michael Hernandez. Michael, welcome to Adventures in Collecting. 
Hey guys, how you doing? I'm sorry to hear about the Instagram thing. I mean, you must have pissed someone off Instagram or something. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> you know, we we can't we can't figure it out. There's no yeah, answer. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. It's 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 a, it's a huge mystery, but yeah. So what we you know we'll we'll do our best to you know it, the way that I look at it is if we were able to do it once. We'll be able to do it again, and and we'll we'll keep growing. I mean, hey, we we started just a couple weeks ago on this new account with just like a hundred followers, and we're already almost at six hundred. So, you know, it's it's slow goings. It's it's not eight thousand, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. You will get there. Yes, if you build it, they will come. So, exactly. So before we get started, uh, as this is a show about collecting, the first thing we ask all of our guests: uh, What are you currently collecting? Um, basically I'm collecting whatever will not infuriate my fiance because our apartment's very small. And so I've had to limit our collection, you know, my collection. I call it our collection now. It's become like a unified thing. Um, so primarily a lot of like Mayfex stuff, Mayfex X-Men specifically. Um, I've had to whittle down a lot of the Mayfex stuff I wanted to get. Um, it's actually been kind of cool because it's also refreshing to not feel like I have all these like hundreds and hundreds of pre-orders or I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of hyperbole there, but you know, it's just a bunch of pre-orders of stuff that I don't know when it's going to come. And so narrowing down my collection, collecting stuff that I really love and want would include the Mayfix X-Men stuff, a few Marvel legends here and there. Um, I'm tempted by everything, man. Just like anyone else. I see something new and I want it and it's hard to deny myself something that looks really awesome and cool and new and different, but right now it's um, slow and steady with the collecting. So bring it down a little bit, get a few things here and there, and that's kind of where my collection's at right now. Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to start to see that more of, of an answer, you know, as, as we kind of, as, as the pandemic starts to dwindle and dwindle and people start to kind of get back into other aspects of their life, because typically... Uh, you know, the, the answer we've been getting is like, you know, the, the, Everything. yeah, what, 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 it's more like what, Everything. Don't I collect. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's exactly, I think like during the pandemic, it was like collecting took on a whole new, uh, level of existence just for me specifically, I started watching a lot more reviewers and getting kind of more into like, Oh, look at this, look at that. That's stuff I had noticed, but I wasn't sure if I wanted. And then before I knew it, I was just getting stuff like every week. I wasn't going out, so I had to have stuff come to me. So I just ordered a bunch of stuff, and then it got a little bit too much. And then I was like, what am I doing? What have I done? I've gone mad with toys. And it actually brings up a good point, too, because like we weren't going anywhere. So yeah. you couldn't see anything on the shelves and on the pegs. So the the reviews and the videos and the unboxings were the pegs, in theory, because... Otherwise, you're just looking at, you know, whatever's on that online store, whether you're going to Target or, you know, a more specialized place. Uh, it's, you know, the reviewers were the ones who were kind of saying like, hey, this is this is what this is. Um, this is this is your kind of in-hand view of it. Yeah, I think that's that is very true and also the fact i think also manufacturers and different people started focusing more on their online releases and online schedules and uh, a lot more reveals through like youtubers and stuff like that that started happening a lot more i saw like a little bit like in 2021 22 this year as well so yeah it's just taking a whole new form of collecting where mostly everything is online and so you pre-order everything online now i mean NECA does that now like i remember going out searching desperately for like a bebop and rocksteady two-pack and you know calling every target now i don't even step in target anymore unless i need some toilet paper like it's like toys for me have all become online which is good and bad it has its pros and cons i feel but um yeah collecting is always um transforming and the evolution of it it's always changing our habits and how we collect especially mine specifically and i'm kind of in a happy place right now with my collection i have a lot of stuff that i've always wanted a um, few little things here and there I want to still get, but um, overall, I'm, I'm 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 in a pretty decent place. I gotta say. Um. So, what started your collection? Like, what was the thing where you were like, "Hey, this this I need," and it just kind of went on from there? Yeah. So I come from a long line of 
toy enthusiasts and collectors. My uncle uh, grew up in Guatemala and he grew up a big Star Wars fan and he started collecting the old vintage 70, 80 Kenner toys. Um, and so that was his love. And so it kind of passed through to my cousin, who is also a collector, then to me uh, down the generation of just like long list of collectors. And so it kind of happened from there. And then, you know, as a kid, I was into all like, basically like Fox cartoon stuff, you know, X-Men, Spider-Man, then Batman as well. And all that stuff was right up my alley. And then just toys were just super fun. Um, and then I'm just trying to remember like where like my first figure was, if I can, not entirely sure, but I remember like getting all of like the Spider-Man, um, cartoon figures. I just like, that was my thing. And also the X-Men ones. And then eventually it went to like, just like getting stuff for like my birthday or Christmas to like actively hunting and going with my uncle to Toys R Us and Walmart every day (laughs) and like pallet searching, you know? And so um, it's just, it's always been like a part of my life. So, so going from the actual, you know, collecting itself and, and, you know, kind of just enjoying the, the toys privately, uh, what led you to start the, the figure report? So we just mentioned the pandemic. And so it kind of spawned from there. I was just home watching videos, not doing a lot, um, which is kind of like my normal routine anyway, but specifically not being able to go outside. So um, as a joke, by the way, I do do stuff. I am active. <laughs> but yeah, so um, just to dispel any rumors out there. So yeah, so then my fiance, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, was like, why don't you like do like a video? Why don't you start like your own channel and like do something, like do something basically. So I'm like, that's a good idea. And like, I had so much stuff already. She's like, why don't you just take the stuff you have and do like some videos on them, you know, have fun with it. I'm like, cool. I immediately proceeded to order like 10 new figures. I'm like, I'm going to review the newest stuff. And so it kind of was like, I had some stuff like I took pictures of and played with and posed with as well. And, and so the figure reporters came out of that, just like wanting to do something fun with like the new stuff I was getting and like doing unboxings with my roommate at the time, Jay, and then doing little videos here and there. Um, so it really came from her telling me to do something. And yeah, so she's always a great motivator. That's awesome to have that, uh, that, uh, that, that little, you know, uh, catalyst, a little, little kickstart. Yeah. A little push, you know, a little, little push, a little mov- motivational push. Yeah. Having the support rules, you know, it's, it's the best. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. It's like the support and also like, uh, control because it's like, she's like telling like, you know, she's telling me like, okay, you have so much stuff. I just do something with it. You know, and I'm like, that's a great idea. And then I was like, I need to order new figures because, like, I got to have more. Like, I got to keep up to date with everything. And so, like, a certain point became very overwhelming trying to be like, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to review this. I'm going to take some pictures. I'm going to do an unboxing. And then, like, it wouldn't really go anywhere because I'd just be overwhelmed with so many figures. But um, now it's like trying to manage my collection a little bit better. And, um, but the figure report is just a fun thing. That's a, a cool way to connect with a community I've loved for a long time and never really was aware of how to before in Miami, I actually wrote, that's where I grew up and I was raised, lived in Miami for like um, 20 something years. I started writing articles on figures. I can't find the articles anymore because it was for like examiner.com. I don't know if you guys remember that website. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I just was like the local toy reporter for that website. So I did some reviews on certain figures. I did like profiles on some comic book stores and local stores in Miami. And then um, that was like my first kind of like way into like toy journalism. And then Figure Report came about through the pandemic. And it's been fun just like connecting with people and talking about toys. And yeah, it's really, really cool. So having um, done so much work on, on TV and film, do you take any of what you've learned on set into making reviews on the figure report? Um, basically, I try to just be like, okay, what do I find fun and entertaining? You know, I try to keep it professional. Like if I am part of a set of a TV show or a film, um, it's hard to kind of translate what I learned from there to figure report because I was doing figure report. I mean, I guess like, yeah, I was doing it in 2020. I had been acting a little, you know, starting act. I just started acting in 2017. So I'm still relatively new to the field. But yeah, I think just like what I find entertaining, you know, if I find something interesting or like, oh, like how do I imagine stuff in my mind? How like, 
they storyboard stuff. That was very helpful with figure report, trying to feel like, okay, I have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's a story I want to tell with my videos, um, but also something that I would enjoy watching if it wasn't me, you know? So, um, yeah, I think there's a, some parallels to what I've done in film and TV and what I've learned from there and brought it to figure report. A lot of like editing as well, like learning what's a great program to edit with. Um, uh, yeah. So those are a few things. And then also showing it to like some of my coworkers and being a little embarrassed, but then also being, <laughs> being like, you know, like they're really receptive to it too. It's like, I think they're all in the creative field. And so they see that creativity through action figures as well, whether you're making a video or you're doing pictures. Um, so you feel a little less embarrassed. Also, I mean, the biggest properties are the toy figures that like they're based off of like Marvel and Star Wars and stuff. So they're just like unanimous. They're all over the world. So people recognize these, these brands. So, you know, having little figures is not like a new concept, but this whole world of collecting and making videos and realizing how popular they are and, you know, and in concert with the property, the properties they're based off of um, people can, people get it. They, they can, connect with it in a certain way you know and uh it's just uh yeah it's cool to kind of see those things come together plus you know there's there's way way more of us than than uh than i think people realize you know there's there's a lot of um dozens of us <laughs> dozens absolutely uh no but there's we might there's, even hit the triple digits i'm not sure <laughs> really there's, a, there's a lot more people out there that are like quiet action figure collectors and and or you're at the very least like collectibles you know if, yeah. if they're not if they're not buying the you know the 20 pop marvel legends figures like right. you'll find that like you, know, you start talking about action figures and, and people are like, oh, well, yeah, I have 20 Hot Toys figures. Mm -hmm. And it's but like, people oh, been, do but you People now? have been collecting stuff forever. It's not like a new concept to be a collector or a hobby, like an enthusiast of a certain product or something, you know? Like, yeah. If it's not action figures, you're collecting something. You know, people collect little spoons or dinosaur fossils or something, you know, something they think is cool and that they have some extra cash to spend on or something they have a lot of love with. I want to connect with people through that sp specific thing, um, it's not a new concept, right? So um, being able to, to do something creative and fun and connect with people is a pretty awesome, um, it's a pretty awesome part of making these videos. The other thing that I find like interesting too, because you talked about like bouncing it off of, bouncing the videos and the articles and stuff off of people that you know, some of the most interesting like kind of thought process I've had or feedback that I've had is people who don't collect. Yeah. Because it's like, Hey, what's interesting to someone who has no basis in this whatsoever. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what I aim to do is like, I try to find a medium between the two places, a gray area where it's appealing to collectors and also non-collectors, what they find interesting, you know? And so it's hard to, you're not going to please everyone. That's just impossible. And I at least try to find a place where, like you just said, um, how do non-collectors approach it? What they think about it? So I show it, you know, I show videos to everyone from like my collector friends, my uncle, my cousin who are also collectors. And I show it to my brother or my sister-in-law and my fiance, um, you know, other members of my family, other friends. So I try to like, you know, other people that I know and like the other like maybe like a director that I know, you know, I'm interested in what he's what he thinks, you know, and so like it's cool to kind of get an idea of what generally people like. And a lot of people love seeing, you know, a lot of personality. Um, they love humor. Uh they like something that looks creative. It looks a little bit like, oh, someone had fun making this, you know, because again, your toys, they sh shouldn't be taken so seriously. And you should be having fun posing and taking pictures and doing videos, even if you don't like the figure, you know, it's still a fun, you're still playing, you know, just like you would on set. And, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I, that's also one thing I could say that maybe I took from working on film and, you know, TV is that these are fun things to do. You know, you're playing, you're pretending. So doing the work should feel fun and it should feel like work at the same time. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting getting feedback and reaction from people that are both in the toy world and not the toy world. 
So, so speaking of kind of the, the interaction and you know, the interactivity of, of the community, um, since you've started doing your reviews and, and your videos, uh, do you prefer uh, like live unboxings or are, are, do you find yourself more of like a perfectionist, you know, with like the way that you did the, the Moon Knight reveal uh, video where, you know, you had time to edit and tweak and kind of, you know, get timing and everything? Well, thank you. I also agree that my Moon Knight video was a perfection. Uh, so thank you for telling me that. <laughs> um, I'm glad someone finally was, you know, man enough to, to tell me. Um, no, uh, I, I, I am like you said. I think there's that perfectionist, you know, seed in your mind when you're editing something, putting something together. You know, I went through maybe three different versions of the Moon Knight review, and I, you know, showed it to different people. I tried different things. And so it got to a point where I was like, okay, I really need to like focus on the things that I enjoy that I think would be fun for people to watch something that's fun to shoot and, you know, not take it so seriously, but also have enough information for people that they get a good idea of what the Moon Knight figure offers and Mr. Knight. So there is a lot of fun in delivering that kind of material, but also it's a painstakingly, um, you know, arduous editing process because I want it to be great. I want it to sound great. Um, I don't know if you can hear, but I also do it with like, you know, sirens at every single point, like an hour on the hour kind of thing. So like I have a lot of noise. It's hard to edit inside a small apartment sometimes. So that's why it's also fun to just do the unboxing. So you don't have to worry about all that stuff. You don't have to worry about outside noise and, you know, certain conditions. You can just have fun, be on the spot. Um, that's also like a fun thing. Like I took some improv classes just for the hell of it, you know? And so it was fun to kind of just, you know, shoot off the cuff. It's kind of what I used to do in Miami. I used to be a college radio DJ. And so a lot of it was just like, you know, getting on the air and just finding like a funny thing to talk about or some ideas you wanted to tell people or, you know, I take live phone calls and see how those interactions goes and come up with sketches on, on the air. And so taking some of that energy, into the unboxings is fun and interacting with people. Um, that's cool. So they all have their differences, you know, that I enjoy and stuff that I find maybe stressful, but um, I, I, I like doing them both. So I want to do, I definitely want to do more videos, more reviews and keep the lives going as well. Cause those are really fun to interact with people. So you've worked in films with your brother before, but nothing quite like this. Um, was it challenging alternating between Steven and Mark for takes? Um, so tell us a bit, a little bit about how that experience on, on the Moon Knight series worked. Was it tough for me to alternate between Mark and Steven? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Cause you, you, I mean, well, both of you were, were kind of doing yeah, it true. simultaneously, right? Right. Yeah. So basically our day would involve, okay, who are we doing first? Are we going to cover Mark first? Or are we covering Steven? Um, and so that's kind of like how the day started, especially when we got to those scenes where, I mean, you guys seen the whole show, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Spo spoilers to follow. If you have not watched spoilers. Moon Knight on yes. Disney plus, maybe pause right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't watch Moon Knight. Don't stop listening. Like you can pick this back up later. We want you to hear this. Well, you can um, yeah, you can pause it or mute it. So you know, long as it plays fully, and then go back <laughs> to this part. But, but do watch the show because it a it rules. But b um, yeah, you don't want to hear things that you haven't watched yet. Exactly. So here comes the secret portion. Secrets. Okay. Secret time. So in episode five, you see, or end of episode four, and all of episode five, it's Mark and Steven, and they're and their own bodies, right? So then those scenes required either me, you know, next to him or off camera giving lines or sometimes over my shoulder. And so the day of, we would see, okay, who's kind of driving the scene, right? And then we'd go off, you know, okay, we're going to do with Mark first. We're going to start off with Mark. And then we would try to do, because sometimes we a lot for like an actor that's doing two characters, um, to like go Mark, Steven, Mark, Steven. So we try to find the most seamless way of just doing Mark first and then Steven towards the second half of, of our day. And so primarily it was just, I was just trying to get on, get on Oscar's wavelength, you know? And so we would talk about stuff either before um, we shot or like right when we get up to it. And a lot of the times we would get 
you know, we would get our script or like the day of the night before sides as we call them. And then, you know, you read the different sides and um, you have your call sheet and everything and tells you, okay, you're going to be Steven first. But then reading the scenes, I try to anticipate a lot of it is anticipation being like, okay, what's Oscar going to do in this scene? How's he going to behave in this one? What's his kind of mind, his state of mind for Mark? This just happened before. So now he's like this. So this is his energy level. This is what's going through his mind, you know? So always having those things in mind so that I'm playing it as authentically and as real as Oscar would, you know? And so trying just to be there, you know? And the fact that, like, I kind of know him, I know his, you know, some of his patterns, um, but, like, working with him on this level is different and also, like, learning how to, like, step back and realizing it's not about you because an actor has a very fragile ego sometimes <laughs> so channeling that ego being like okay it's not about you it's about this whole thing it's about this production it's about you know getting him to a place that feels authentic because he's the one giving the performance so it was cool that it was also like lesson in acting it was a, a master class you know and that was a lot of fun to do and yeah so it was it was that whole stuff it was technically difficult because, you know, you rely a lot of like on timing and camera movement and hitting your mark at a very specific time when the two characters meet, like in the hallway and when they're walking, it's all, it all has to be in, in you know, in, in perfect synchronicity. So those things got a little tedious and difficult, but I think the character work was really fun. I think Oscar enjoyed it as well. I think he felt pretty good about it. So, so when you, when you, um, you know, Got got a chance to be uh, Stephen. Were you doing the accent and everything too? You know, in order to kind of kind of keep keep the mood and and, and everything, uh, you know, as consistent as possible. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so we did the accent. We did the whole thing. We did the Chicago accent for Mark, and then the British accent for Stephen. And you know, mine wasn't so great, but I at least did it to the best that I could to make it just feel like it's actually there. And a lot of it would just be to make Oscar laugh. Like, we just do a lot of, like, funny <laughs> stuff. On, you know, just, like, talking the accent. Like, a lot of, like, I can't believe we've done this. You know, and just, um, you know, it was just it was just to also make the mood a little lighthearted, especially when it had, like, really serious stuff going on. But also just to, like, entertain and be fun and to make the experience go a lot smoother, I think. And so that was um, something I felt like I added to the whole process of making the show. Um, but yeah, I would spend some weekends, um, like training for an hour with the, um, dialect coach that was on set of Barbara Berkery. She's done like hundreds of projects. Um, and so I would just talk to her and she gave me this, these sheets of different practices, um, accent practices and learning how to say certain vowels this way. And, you know, reference this, that reference like an old, like Michael Caine film or like, you know, different examples of how to do the accent. It was a very specific accent. And so it was just fun to do. Like I had a lot of fun doing it and it just made it more fun sometimes for certain scenes. Yeah, I would do that. I would do that. I would sometimes read off like, you know, read off camera, like conchu lines or something, you know. (laughs) And so it was just like, it was just like we were just making this thing and having a lot of fun with it, you know. And I think that spread throughout the whole crew. And now, a word from our sponsors. And now, back to the show. Yeah, it was it was great watching it after after you had revealed you know the the figures and you know the, and and kind of the twist ending of your your video. Um, it was fun watching. Like, I mean, the show was great, you know, to begin with. But then when when it got to like episode five and you know like kind of just knowing like oh that's really cool that's you know you're kind of seeing getting that that kind of behind the scenes like uh tidbit before the Mm -hmm. episodes happen made it i think in a lot of ways too a lot more fun to watch knowing that like oh this isn't we're not seeing you know pure cgi this isn't like you know oscar having to do this fully do this twice or like yeah. some random stand in like it's his brother and like it's just it was it was very it was very cool it was a, yeah very it wasn't cool like he's talking to like a tennis ball and crying to like you know like an ex or something you know like it was yeah. actually connecting with another person and the fact that it was me i think made it more 
hopefully made it more believable. He was actually talking to someone that was basically him and who better than that than his brother, right? You're welcome. But I think that, <laughs> yeah, hopefully it really translated to, to screen, you know? I think it was, um, like, I was really happy to be a part of, like, that specific episode. Like, that was the main part where, like, I had to really come in and deliver. Um, that's, like, has the most, like, dramatic meat, you know, to the whole show. Like, that's kind of, like, where you really understand why this is all happening and who Mark is and how Steven came to be and learning about DID and the concepts of DID um, and seeing, like, where it comes from and how, you know, childhood trauma creates um, an altar, you know, to protect yourself. You, you almost develop this superhuman power. So... Uh, of, of 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 safety and security, and that's where the ultras come from. And so, um, yeah, it was it was really awesome to be a part of that and to make it feel as as real and authentic as it could be told within the Marvel cinematic world. Um, and I think that's also the cool thing about Marvel um, movies and shows is they try to tell a human story that's um, encased in this giant Marvel spectacle of heroes and villains you know of different worlds and multiverses and everything and afterlives and afterlives and yeah it's it's uh it's it's but it's cool to get to like an actual you know the actual character and the actual story and really trying to tell a story and that's where you feel like you're really doing some some good work and so for me it was just trying to connect with it understand it there's like a lot of scenes where like you see mark breaking down and getting emotional very emotional and so you know those scenes like i think about it like okay should i try to be crying in this and it's not about showing emotion it's all about like intention like why you feel a certain way and not you're just doing it and so you know i i knew that but then like in your head you kind of get like okay i have to do it this way i have to be very specific and but sometimes you just have to feel it just feel it and let it let it happen and that's when it feels um that's when it feels like it's the real honest thing that you're doing. What was the, what would you say was the most surreal part of, of your Moon Knight experience? I would say definitely putting on a fake nose. That was <laughs> something that I don't know if it was in my contract or not, but it happened, man. And that was a little odd. The first time they did like the casing, that was kind of cool was when they poured the green goop over your head, like you always see them behind the scenes when they do like a full on casing of someone's face and like they can reproduce it for like a mask or whatever. So they did that. Um, it's like, you know, being like in darkness for like 30 minutes, you know, half an hour and you have little holes you can breathe um, out of and then pulling it off. And, you know, that whole process was really cool and going through different wigs and the whole different nose process being like, okay, should we do, uh, just the nose. We have like cheek parts. We have chin parts. So we have all these different little like uh, <laughs> uh, face parts that we could put on my face. We decided just to go with the nose because that was the most predominant and beautiful feature of Oscar that we could <laughs> um, replicate. And yeah, so that was that was kind of surreal for sure. Putting on that stuff, and then you know, I think like just like being on camera for the first time, not like really being on camera, but just like being with all these people and seeing it move. And I think also first time seeing Oscar in the Mr. Knight costume was pretty surreal. Like, Oh wow. We're really making like a, a superhero show right now. Um, that was pretty cool. So, you know, going from the set and, and seeing, you know, the, these, these characters in, in real life, um, to getting the opportunity to get your hands on the toy versions of them. Uh, how did how did the opportunity come up with the Marvel Legends team? Yeah, so um, this guy, Nick Pepin, who works on the show, um, I forget his title, but he's up there. Um, really cool guy, also a fellow collector. He actually came up to me like one of the first days we started working. He's like, hey, so I follow the figure report. I'm like, oh, cool, man. And, you know, like I'm kind of a collector as well. And so we just became like really good friends off the bat. Um, and you told me you're a figure collector. I'm going to connect, like, you know, it's already, like, this is supposed to happen, bro. So um, we were just cool, and, like, we talked about, you know, just our collecting and, like, what we like. And and then, you know, he started, like, telling me, like, hey, you know, so, you know, we're obviously going to do, like, more of a legend version of this. I'm like, oh, no shit. And, you know, got my 
gears spinning for sure. Like that'd be kind of cool to do the, the figure report, right? And so um, towards the end, I like basically asked him, like, "Come on, let's let's make this happen." You know, like I'm working on the show. I have a figure channel. It just feels like it's meant to be. Like it'd be weird if some other guy did it. You know, like come on, let's make it happen. And so not so begging, but you know, politely asking. And then um, he said, I'll see what I can do. He got in touch with some people. And then a little bit afterwards, after um, I got back from LA where we had the Moon Knight premiere, uh, Dan Yoon from the Legend team reached out and then we set up a meeting and then we talked about how he and the, the team thought it'd be a great idea for me to do a review on the figures. I said, that is a great idea. And I agree with you completely. And let's do this. And so that's how it came about. Just like a little bit of waiting period and and seeing where it would go. And yeah, it was cool. I really appreciate Nick doing that and, you know, um, saying, recommending me for the review. It's it's awesome because recently, you know, the Marvel Legends team, you know, uh, they've been on, they've been on the pod before, you know, Steve, Ryan, Dan, Dwight, yeah. Um, the the outreach that they've been doing with the toy community and and you know utilizing either you know YouTube reviewers or mm-hmm. you know uh, I, uh, social media influencers in the toy community you know yeah. a, as a whole to do these reveals has been really fun because in a lot of ways too it, it introduces you know uh, introduces people to sometimes maybe the reviewers that they that they don't watch all the time you know like you know they they gave you know Jay Hernandez Super Sorrel. Um, you know, the opportunities to, to take a look at, at, you know, early, early figures. So initially when, you know, the teases started coming out that, that you were, you had the Moon Knight figures, it was just cool. Cause initially everyone was like, oh, like, oh, this must be a new reviewer. You know, he must be doing mm-hmm. something like, you know, really cool. Like can't wait to see the review. And of, of course, you know, everybody you know started sharing it, not realizing what the, you know, again, like that mm-hmm. twist would be. I'm sitting here smiling, just kind of thinking <laughs> that about it's- that it's actually like, yes, he is doing something really cool aside from this. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, it gets to the end of the video and you're sitting there like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I have my own reveal. You know, I have my own Jake Lockley moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except, except no silencer not needed. Except yes. I didn't shoot anyone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> except I'm not possessed by an ancient god. Um, or am that I? We don't know. know. You have to wait for you know season two or film if we do another Moon Knight. So we'll see. But um, yeah, exactly. I think that's a cool opportunity for both. You know, for for I think Marvel Legend Hasbro and for toy reviewers to like, you know, have a, a cool new thing that you get to talk about and show off to people, and also for them to connect with more people in the community. You know, and so I think it works for both parties involved that we both get a little, you know, something out of it. And yeah, I think it's really cool. Like you mentioned, you know, Steve and, and the, the rest of the team talking to you guys. I remember just like, kind of like, like looking through like my Instagram and I saw like, Oh, Steve started following me. Oh, Dan, you Oh, Ryan started follow- like, you know, like the thing where like, you like have like someone that like you're interested in, they start following you like on Facebook or like Instagram, like, Oh, hello. You know, that kind of thing. And so I was like, Oh, I think something's going to happen. And then eventually, you know, I got the, <laughs> I would have been very disappointed if they just started following me for no reason. Like, that would have been cool, but, like, I knew it had intent behind it. I knew there was a reason. I think they were just kind of scoping me out to make sure I wasn't a scumbag. And they would be like, okay, that's cool. We can definitely give him the, the figures to review. So, um, I mentioned your brother. It's yeah. not the first time he's had action figures of himself. Um, but did you have the opportunity to introduce these particular figures of uh, the the Moon Knight and Mr. Knight figures to him. Yes, physically, yes. He had seen some um, early concept, you know, the figures, um, like the, the 3D scans, basically. And so we were like, oh, these are going to be awesome. So then when I finally got the figures, I was like, I got to go show them. We, we are basically neighbors, too. We live in the same, like, zip code area. So, um, you know, I walked on over, I showed him the figures. And that video that I posted of him giving a thumbs up, that was his first viewing of the action figures. So um, that was really cool to show him, you know, and also cool for Hasbro to be like, oh, look, you have one of the, you have the actual star Moon Knight playing with the toys that you made of him. So um, that was, that was cool to show him those figures. And like, it wasn't the first time I've shown him figures of himself. I mean, if you've seen the Black Series figures, oh, 
boy, we've had a lot of fun with those bastardizations of Oscar. <laughs> I mean, I did a video back in Miami when Force Awakens came out. I was working with a um I was working with a newspaper with a um called the Miami New Times. And so I was working with them. I did like concert reviews and stuff like that. And then the Oscar was coming down for promo for Force Awakens. I'm like, I got to do, like, we got to do something. So then I reached out to them, reached out to his people. We arranged a video interview where I think it's still on YouTube somewhere. Um, not sure where exactly, but we did a video interview. We played Street Fighter and then we talked about the movie and then we talked about his action figures and just how monstrous they were. And so we compared them to like, <laughs> like different like characters in film and TV and like they look like the, the small guy from Twin Peaks. I don't know if you guys ever seen Twin Peaks. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, like the small guy that's in the the room, the black room I think it's called, the lodge, the black lodge. So yeah. that guy kind of looks like the figure, kind of looks like a mutated Benicio del Toro who eventually got into Star Wars. So we just had like he was just like aghast by appalled by the uh the, the black series figures. So we're still waiting on Hasbro to make a decent Oscar sculpt. So if you're listening, get to work boys. And girls. Yeah. That the, the, the one, so I, I have mostly the three and three quarter inch figures. So yeah. his, his first one for the three and three quarter inch was the, you know, the little black series figure. And right. I remember thinking that it looked like Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> I was they like, oh, like, cool. They, look like, they all look like someone except Oscar. All of them. The the only one that came close. Yeah, I just have the pop, so I'm like. Oh, yeah, you're fine. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. You don't have to worry about that. The only one that came close was the uh, the Last Jedi one. The one. Yeah. I think it was like it, it was packed in with something. I don't actually know. It was a single carded release, but. No, it was a single card. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That I do one have that came. One. That one came close. That one came yeah. close. I've I've seen it, a couple people already, you know, head swapping onto Marvel Legends Moon Knight figures with yes, with that but figure. like like close, but like in a slightly deformed way. Yeah, I agree for sure. <laughs> I think they melted. I think, I think there was one that was like a Disney style figure, or like like more like eight inch style that came out for the Force Awakens. That one did a good, I think, a fairly decent job. And then like Koto uh, had like um, a statue version. I think was kind of decent, but still they've all been to decent to appalling. So that's kind of like, that's kind of like where it is. That's kind of like where they fall. Well, I for one enjoy my Peter Falk as Poe Dameron action figure. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, I think it's wonderful. It's a great cameo. It's a great cameo. <laughs> Love oh Peter man. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we get more, uh, more MCU Moon Knight in, in the future and, you know, get, get a crack at a, you know, the, give the Marvel Legends team a crack at, uh, getting your brother's likeness right. I mean, they're, they're looking better, right? You know, like I thought the Benedict Cumberbatch one was pretty good. Um, they seem to be getting better and better with the 3D printing, the face scans. So, yeah, you know, let's, let's hope they get Oscar right. Yeah, the new the new uh, Thor figures, the the new Chris Hemsworth, the Natalie Portman, the even the uh, we haven't seen exactly what he looks like in the film yet, but the even the uh, the gore, the God Butcher, the uh, wow, well, yeah, it, it looks Christian like Bale. Christian Gale. It looks yeah. like Christian Gale. So yeah. that's pretty good. great job. So uh, now it's time for some Q and A. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Chubsy Wubsy Toys. A traditional mom-and-pop toy store in Little Falls, New Jersey, Chubsy Wubsy Toys brings you the best new toys from the brands you love without the hassle of pounding the pavement, searching for them at larger retail stores. Visit them in person at 106 Main Street in Little Falls, New Jersey, or online at ChubsyWubsy.com. That's C-H-U-B-Z-Z-Y-W-U-B-Z-Z-Y.com. And tell them adventures in collecting sent you. We 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 sent out a post uh, to our followers asking if anyone had any questions for you, and we, and we did get a few. So um, so these next few questions come from adventures in collecting followers. Uh, I said it at the top, but if you want a chance to ask a question in a future episode of Adventures in Collecting, you got to follow us at Adventures in Collecting on Instagram. 
uh, when we have guests on, we 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 do these little Q and A segments, and and we ask for uh, we ask for some questions. So if you want an opportunity in the future, uh, make sure you're following us there at Adventures in Collecting. Dave, do you want to do the uh, the first question here? I can. Um, at three v one i underscore cosplay asks, "What figure from your childhood did you always want but never get?" So I was pretty lucky that. Um, my mom would really hook it up with like the stuff I wanted. Like I was really into all the Toy Biz X-Men figures. Um, I remember asking for either Strong Guy or Brood and like it would have been like a month I had asked for it and then finally I got it. I was like really surprised. Um, the one thing I guess would be not a toy but a video game system would be the SNES. I went with my dad to Toys R Us under the impression the false impression that we were both getting an SNES for me, Super Nintendo. And then, like, I'm like, oh, Dad, thanks for getting this for me. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, thank you. He's like, oh, this is for me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and so I knew that was a fact because he proceeded to buy two games I had no interest in. He bought Monopoly, and he bought, uh, he bought a board game for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> That's how much of a dad he is. And then he bought a game called Wings 2, which was a really awful uh, World War II flight simulator. Um, it was I like I played that game for I think for like three months, and like it was the most frustrating game I've ever played in my life. I kept dying, and all I had to play was Wings Two for like a few months. And yeah, that that was one that was that was a put a burn by my dad. <laughs> really got me on that one. Sick dad burn. Sick dad burn, yeah. bro. Oh, our next cu- question comes from at Oscar Isaac Italia, uh, and they ask, uh, what's it like filming alongside your brother? Do you tend to agree artistically when shooting? Okay. Well, first of all, buongiorno. Um, and second of all, uh, what do we like shooting? Like what was so, it like shooting with him? Yeah. So when, when you're filming alongside your brother, do you, do you guys tend to agree artistically when you're, when you're working together? Um, if by artistically agreeing together, meaning that I just listen to him, he tells me to do this. I say, yes, sir. Yes. Then we hundred percent agree artistically. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would be like, like I mentioned before, just kind of identifying the intention of it all and talking to him about that. Um, you know, he already knows what these characters are. I'm not coming in with like, hey, I think you should, you know, I think in this scene, Steven's more, you know, it's like, no, I'm listening. To, like, he's the one driving, you know, he's the actor. He's the one that's really doing this stuff. So I'm an actor as well, but, you know, I know my role in this whole show. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, like, they, like, you know, the day before we shoot, I would read the sides, I read the script for the, for the day and be like, okay, I think Oscar's probably going to play Steven first because of this and this. And so in my mind, I already know who I'm going to play. And then, you know, we get there and then usually I'd be like, right, like 90% of the time. Um, and so I just kind of like, you know, I, I kind of see where, you know, what he has in store, what he has in mind for stuff. But again, predominantly it was just to make sure that I was helping him get to a certain place when he was performing. So, you know, you know, I guess in that sense, we didn't agree artistically, but, you know, he was the one that was, you know, it was his characters. And so I just wanted to make sure I was serving them right. All right. At Bring Toys to Work asks, where do you see the figure report five years from now? What are your goals in toy journalism? Uh, five years from now, hopefully still collecting, um, in case there's like an apocalypse. I don't know. I can't foresee that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of doing similar stuff, making some more videos, making that hot content that people love and, you know, pictures and Instagram lives and stuff. Um, it'd be cool to like, maybe, you know, do something at a convention or something, do like a live show. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, maybe have some more guests on and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's kind of just like, you know, uh, I'm leaving it into, to just imagination. Like I had no real like set plans. Okay. Year two figure report has to be here. Year five on these many subscribers. 
probably a good idea to set some goals like that. But I'm also cool with just, you know, winging it and having fun with it. And I have um, a large collection of new and older figures. So I want to definitely show off some older figures as well. Um, so I would like to do some more like my not vintage toys that I have, but stuff from like 2000 era. Um, so I'll do more stuff like that. And then also just current stuff that comes out seldomly, you know, those are kind of like my goals. Awesome. Well, you have you have survived uh, the Q and A session. Congratulations! I got a little golf Oof. clap. You did it. Sweating, did it. sweating a little bit. But. <laughs> uh, which brings us to our final question, and I feel like this is fun because Dave, I don't think you've ever gotten you've. Well, I'm, you did ask this to Jay, and Jay Hernandez is also an, an actor. So this is the second actor you've gotten to ask this uh, this this question to this inside Parking the actor studio well, themed question. And a voice actor. And a voice actor. Yes, and a voice actor. So, the third. This is the third. The third. So, Dave, would you like to fulfill your role as this podcast's James Lipton and ask the final question? Yes, I would. So, the final question that we ask all of our guests. What is your favorite and or strangest piece in your collection? It can be one of each, or it can be both. Strangest piece I have in my collection. You know, I, I don't consider any of them strange. I consider them just like parts of my being and maybe I'm part strange. And so um, going through my collection, I have a lot of stuff that's in boxes, not going to lie. And so it's been like, I think the best part of the collecting has been opening everything when I had to move. Like that was such a, a thrilling experience because also I had a lot of toys to open. Um, but strange part... Strange the toy I have in my collection. Um, uh, I don't, man, that is such a. I have a couple of Oscar heads. I have a couple of uh, custom Oscar heads, and they kind of creep me out because they kind of look like him. And so that's a very weird thing to own a figure of your relative, of your brother, of someone you're very close with. It's um, that's kind of odd. But then you kind of forget about it but then it also kind of comes back every now and then you're like ew <laughs> gross <laughs> and um uh yeah that would be like the strange thing i'm pretty normal i'm pretty sane when it comes to i like i don't have like you know like anything that's worth like two thousand dollars or something like i found like in a weird like convention hall in in las vegas or something like i've been pretty I've been pretty good when it comes to like my spending, when it comes to stuff I get that's within my collecting realm, the stuff I have interest in. There hasn't been anything that I've found or wanted that felt like, oh, this is kind of skewing to like a whole different world of, of collecting. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, it, it was a good question. I remember you sent it to me. I kept thinking about it and then, you know, I mean, unless you find just regular toy collecting strange, yeah, I, I don't really have anything that's really out there. I'm sorry, it's a very boring, timid answer, but I, I, I from what I could see, what I looked through, and what I have in there, um, no, nothing, nothing really crazy or strange. Sorry, guys. Well, I think having having uh, custom versions of your uh, custom tiny versions of your brother's head is, I think that qualifies. Yeah, I think that's fine. I I, I think that's va very valid. Yeah, it's a little like like voodoo like too. It's like owning like a doll of him, so I can perform like Santeria or something, you know. And <laughs> so I guess in that way, it could be very weird if you if skew that side. So yeah, let's go with the custom Oscar heads. Well, we we like Oscar, so please don't curse him. I will not. Yes, unless he does something You're that's really upsetting. I mean, look, <laughs> I think for all the transgressions he committed when I was younger, um, and there's video evidence of all the stuff he used to do. You know, it's an older brother, younger brother kind of, you know, relationship. Um, I think he's been able to repay me for all the damage he did. So We're very familiar with that. There's seven yeah. years between the okay. two of us. So okay. we're, we're very familiar with that, that younger brother, older brother situation. The, what was the worst thing the older brother did? <sighs> I don't, I, 
How long the list? <laughs> I mean, you, you never really did anything that terrible. I mean, there was that one time that I don't know if you remember, Dave. Do you remember that green folding chair I used to have in my room that had like the pouches on the sides on it that like I had like pens and all kinds There's of stuff. No, in. However, I am terrified of what this answer is. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were playing. Uh, uh, it was either WWF No Mercy on the N64 or WCW versus NWO Revenge. I honestly don't remember which one. But okay. um, I I beat you. Did I? And you, the folding chair? you picked up the chair, and it was a pain in the butt to fold. Like it was one of those like camping chairs that's meant to like withstand a hurricane. Did I WWE you with the folding chair? Did I oh try yeah. This at home? You you crushed me. With I was sitting in the chair, so you picked it up, and I thought you were just going to like angrily throw it across the room because you lost, but you waffled me with the chair. And I remember just sitting there thinking, cause, and it, the chair wasn't like, wasn't like a metal chair. I mean, the frame was metal, but it was like a canvas chair, so you effectively hit me with like a piece of canvas. But I just remember the, the pouches on the side like exploded and like pens went everywhere. Pens went everywhere. And it was just like, it was, you know, a small room. So like... I got hit with a chair, my, my pens and everything were everywhere, and then you just stormed out of the room, and I remember sitting there thinking, like... Now I have to clean this. Yeah, I have to clean this, but at least I won. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the real winner here, you know? Obviously. <laughs> I'm really glad I could open this worm of unresolved sibling trauma that you guys have, so you're welcome. Now, over, overall, he was... He, I mean, other than the stuff, like, looking back on, like, because now I have two kids, and they're four years apart, you know, and I, I can remember times being, like... You know, like I wanted to hang out with my brother and his friends because they were they were older and like that's the cooler thing. But like, mm. I was seven years younger. They didn't want anything to do with me. And like now, like I totally get like it's like no, get out of here. Like we're yeah watching same, some yeah. horror movie that's going to give you nightmares forever. No, same. But the difference is that my brother would show me the R-rated movies because he wanted me to have those nightmares. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a difference. But also, same seven year gap where he's seven years older than me. And so oh, wow. a, lot, a lot of that feeling of like, man, I want to just hang out with like my cooler older brother. He has like really cool toys and cool friends that are into cool music. And, you know, he has a band. And just like, my brother's like, okay, cool. Eat this uh, really hot pepper to be my friend, basically. <laughs> and so it was just like all these trials I had to pass through, these passages of these, these rites of passages I had to go through to, for him to be like, okay, you're, you're, you're cool. You know, so uh, it's just part of the process, man. And then, yeah, a lot of that. A lot of it's film, too. There's a film. He's just like, I would just be like his his <laughs> his source for pain for his short film for like one called SWAT, where he's like a SWAT team and him and my cousin and a friend. And they like come into like my room. I was actually in my mother's room. And they come in filming me and like all along the watchtower from Jimi Hendrix is playing. That was like really dramatic. And they like hog tie me. And I'm like, Meh. and like, we got him. We got the we got the perp or something like that. I'm like, you know, I'm like seven years, like like eight years old or something. It was, it was terrible. But it was also very funny. It was also very funny. I laugh on it, you know, laugh about it, but uh, very tortured as a child. But yeah, I mean, that's how it'd be, man. It's just how it'd be. It's it's the the life of 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 a being a sibling with an age gap. I mean, it's exactly. Just, I, I think everyone, regardless of of where you grew up in the world, what your you know what your situation is, if you had a sibling, you know, uh, male, female, brother, sister, whatever. Yeah. I uh, I think if there's an age gap there, everyone's got those stories where like, oh yeah, man. it was tenuous, and yeah. then you know you know now like, I mean. We're we're not we're not uh we're not in in the MCU over here on on our <laughs> end, but like you know like we're doing this podcast together. We're closer than we've ever been. You know, right. it just yeah. it just kind of works out. Well, just don't play WWF games anymore because it <laughs> yeah. might it might you know might create another like feeling from those years ago. Yeah, no, no we don't want any triggering events. We don't want any triggering events exactly. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the pod with us and, and discuss, you know, your experiences with Moon Knight and, 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 you know, starting up the figure report before we let you go, uh, just let everyone know where, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah. Um, find me on Instagram at the figure reports, Twitter figure reports, uh, YouTube, the figure report, 
Um, still working on my Friendster account. So once I get that up and running, I'll let you guys know. Um, not on See Spotify you on Usenet. Are you on Usenet? Or should, should we I'm get on Usenet. You can have a website, <laughs> angelfire.com backslash figure report. Um, so I've got a lot of really cool gifts on there. Um, a lot of fun JPEGs. And yeah, so those are the main channels. And yeah, thanks guys. Thank you for letting me plug my stuff. And this was so much fun. Really cool. Well, you're welcome back anytime, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully you're not you're not done with the uh, the Moon Knight universe. Maybe maybe you'll be you'll be back in those uh, back in that fake nose in, in no time. I know the fake nose are waiting for me. I long for it. So it's like uh, I'm in servitude to the fake nose. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen, and then tell your friends to do it. Thanks also to Joe Azari, the golden voice behind our intro. Learn more about him in the show notes. Our music is Game Boy Horror by the Zombie Dames. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Adventures in Collecting and on Twitter at AIC underscore podcast. Stop by and say hi. Show us your hauls and photos. Tell us your toy stories. Maybe we'll talk about it on a future episode. Don't try this at home. Voidware prohibited and some assembly required. Each sold separately, not a flying toy. Consult a physician if your toy run exceeds more than four hours. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 